0: So, any questions? I actually have a question about uh, you were talking um, last night about <coughs> uh, kirtan being a transrational uh, exercise or activity, mm. and it got me to thinking that is is Japa considered? transrational as well, mm-hmm. uh, and if so, why Why is it so that so many people are so attracted to kirtan, but the japa practice is uh, a little more challenging? Mm-hmm. By, um, by transrational, I mean... Um, it, we can refer to a, to a state or to a, a methodology to arriving at such a state, so if there's a state of existence of experience beyond reason, then it would be uh, supernatural as much as reason is is tied to the to the natural world hmm? it 's kind of like in our world view, the upper rim of the natural world. Hmm. So, to be ruled by reason is considered to be civilized. It's uh, it's 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 uh, thought to, as they say in some college campuses, set you free. Um, knowledge will set you free, and obviously there's some truth to that. So the higher that we go, on a ladder, um, say within the material hierarchy, for example, according to the to the to the Bhagavad Gita, there's a hierarchy from matter itself, objects of senses, objects of taste, objects of sight, objects of smell, objects of touch, and so forth. From them to the senses that contact them, that come in contact with them, and. Um, uh, although they're both kind of really constituted of the same thing, the objects of the senses and the senses are uh, made of matter, so to speak, but there's, again, a hierarchy within matter, so from objects of senses to senses, and from the senses that our life in a sense is made up of, uh, not a very sensible one always, but um, sensible in another sense, in that it's uh, uh, our life is based on sensing. Mm. So, uh, but from another point of view, that might not be very sensible. But at any rate, it's from sense objects to senses and then mind. Sometimes mind, uh, you know, in common English parlance, is referred to as the sixth sense. Kind of like um, where the sensations. Mm from the sense objects gathered by the senses is relayed to so you and then it registers in the mind and then you make a determination a good or bad or happy or sad I like this, I don't like that, this is one of the functions of the mind and then you create a world like that this is my good, this is my bad, this is my happy, my sad, and what's cold for you may be hot for me What's happy for you may be sad for me. We live in our own not-so-sovereign domain of the mind, determinations. Hmm? And, of course, these are very relative, these determinations, whether it's cold or hot or good or bad, as determined by the the mind and senses, Um, is like determining the world's blue by wearing blue glasses or it's red by wearing red glasses. So if you could take off the glasses and see, then you would see it was multicolored. So there must be a way of perceiving beyond the senses, and so when we talk about this, we're exercising another material faculty, so to speak, uh, in intelligence. So um, we see the mind as is in a hierarchy above the above the senses, above gross matter, and above mind is intellect. Hmm. Oh, for example, mind may determine. That's good. I like that. But with intelligence, faint as it is sometimes, a soft voice in the background says, but it's not good for you. So that is discriminating power. We often ignore it. That's a problem. But um, if we can become ruled, is the point, or, or guided by the intellect, then... Uh, our life will become freer because we will become to that extent freer from the call of the of the wild of the world of the sense objects taste me see me hear me touch me and they're all saying it at the same time don't touch me touch me see me and we're being dragged in in um in five different directions for touching tasting smelling seeing hearing hmm? Um, and none of those are fully uh, satisfying to us. So even we do things, we, 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 we experience a sensation, we pleasure ourselves through one of our senses, and it turns out to feel good but end up not being good for us. And we know it, as I say, as I say with our intelligence, but we go and do it again, and, this is a, and we do it again, and it's problematic. So if we're to be ruled by our intellect... Then we will be uh, relatively free from that, the predicament that that creates. That, that the call, i call it like the call of the, the wild—making us a, a big beast. Uh, the problem is that, as I've said before, oftentimes the intellect becomes corrupted by the senses and their demands and the demands of the mind, and it 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 it, um, it comes under their influence and so forth. It's, it's used then to facilitate the call of the wild we think with our intelligence how we can get more add more onto our life only or how we can pleasure ourselves more it has a more noble purpose intellect than simply being uh, the uh, servant of the demands of the senses that's why um, it's thought that the human species is more complex than the other species of life because it has intelligence, right? We say that, uh, that humans are reasonable animals. So is it reasonable then to live like a big animal? Because the animals don't have the same reasoning capacity and therefore they're much more burdened by the call of the senses. If it's time to eat or if it's not time to eat, <laughs> if there's food, you know, they may run and eat, and uh, and uh, they're just driven by the you know animal side of themselves. They don't have any the the same kind of intellect to think about, analyze it, and and uh, use the senses in in another way, for example. And so we have intellect. We we said to be distinguished from the other species by intellect, so we should use it then for freeing ourselves from the wild and, and rising above uh, nature, so to speak. But as we talked about the other night, um, if we use intellect to rise above nature through, for example, science and, and technology, um we may produce nothing more than an illusion of rising above nature. In other words, we may improve our life quantitatively by add-ons. We may add years on through medical technology to our life. That's a quantitative addition, right? That doesn't ensure that there's a qualitative addition or improvement to your life. Basically, science and technology are—it's—it's it's it's, its its math run, it's logic run, and so forth. It only—it can only afford us a quantitative improvement in life, minimally, qualitative, perhaps. Hmm? Quality is a, is a subjective thing. I mean, we're all in this room. What's it like? You know, you can't measure that. You can't bring out the you know. The uh, such and such scope or whatever machine, and uh, and uh, and measure that. We could measure everything else about it, but what it feels like—that's another thing. Hmm. So it doesn't deal with 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 um, with uh, with the subjective side of life, which is, sort of, in fact, not only does it not deal with the subjective side of life, consciousness i but if it does, let's say, if it does it all, the way it deals with it is to try to do away with it. So this is not, you understand what I'm saying? This is not the way to, to rise above nature, to reduce yourself only to being nature in the name of rising above it. You understand what I'm saying, in other words, we don't find, for example, in modern science we don't find uh, them finding consciousness to be anything other than brain I mean that's the the, the predominant theory some people um, um, you know, object, and of course it hasn't been proven, or there's nowhere near proving that consciousness is only the brain, or that mind is only the brain. There, there's no, there's nowhere, they're nowhere near that. They make correlations in neuroscience between brain and something in the brain and the way the mind acts, but a correlation is not identity. You understand? There's a, uh, this. Correlation doesn't mean they're one. It means they have a relationship. Hmm? Our mind has a relationship with our body. Yes, we know that. It doesn't mean our mind is our body or our brain. So, where's the the question of rising above nature then? Who's rising above what? There's nobody to rise and there's nothing but nature. By that um, uh, kind of a scientism, ideology, naturalist outlook, which has become prominent. So, we find in... in the the name of using intellect to rise above nature, that uh, Western civilization, it's questionable whether they've risen above nature at all. They've reduced themselves to being only nature, philosophically anyway, by a naturalist or physicalist, materialist understanding that there's nothing other than matter, which is very kind of silly, Hmm, actually. Um, but, and um, um, on top of that, um, our lives have improved in some ways, quantitatively, but qualitatively, um, uh, in terms of, well, what would be the, an example of qualitative fulfillment, a qualitative improvement? I think happiness would be. Right? Right. Happy. I mean, that's what everybody wants, is to be happy. So, how happy is the world? Is it happier? Are people happier today than they were happy 400 years ago? I we have a hard time making an argument for (laughs) that—that people in the pre-modern times were less happy. They might have had some problems with—they might lives might have been shorter. They might not have been able to um, cure certain diseases and so forth, and. Maybe there was life required more labor for some hmm? and so forth, but you can find people working hard and and very happy. You can find people living in Tibet who are you know just about out of the lo- out of the loop right They work hard and they may die young but a long life doesn't ensure happiness, especially with a pacemaker and a and who knows what else he might be hooked up to, you know, to, to live a few more years. So, and then on, and on top of that, of course, now that's uh, the, uh, uh, it's questionable whether the improvements through science and technology, by the use of intelligence, as human society has been using it in the name of rising above nature, whether they haven't, whether they've risen above in another sense either. I, uh, n- nature is is, uh, is is reacting to the to the um, attempt to overcome her, to rise above her. You know, so p- some thoughtful people question the whole industrial society, right? Whether the, whether the, pla- the place has become more livable <laughs> or less livable, whether we're safer or whether we're we're more you know, we're, it's uh, it's more dangerous. We, we we recently, a year ago, got a, some property in Costa Rica in the jungle in Central America, as some of you know. They're the building a monastery there and uh, so forth. And so some of people affiliated with with myself looked up Costa Rica and Central America, and there's 250 species of snakes and a little oh, mountain. It's like a dangerous place, you know. So, so more, more people <laughs> die you know, from the Bay Area and the Bay Area from, you know, every year from all kinds of things produced by the city and civilization and by a snake bite in Costa Rica in the jungle. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's it's uh, so, where you know, where's the danger? But there's an illusion that's created that we're safer, we're better off. And, and, and the, really the illusion is this. illusion is really not so much that we're better off, but, but we're going to be better off. It's just around the corner. <laughs> there's a carrot It's just about going to happen. You get an appetizer and an appetizer and an appetizer and an appetizer, and after a while you get indigestion because the meal never comes. The full meal never comes. It's just an appetizer, just a carrot, and we're moving for that. In pursuit of what? To be happy. And happiness requires knowledge. Every action requires some knowledge. It's informed by some knowledge. So we want perfect knowledge so that we can be perfectly happy. Hmm. Now some people say, well, there is no perfect knowledge. Then you tell me, who's crazy? Those who think there is perfect knowledge and pursue it, or those who think there is no perfect knowledge, but pursue it. And they do. Everyone is pursuing happiness. No Hmm. one stops. Hmm? So who's crazy? Hmm? So I don't think that the modern Western civilization's use of intelligence for rising above nature and moving away from the, the struggle of life that they might see the, that the less complex forms of life are subjected to. I don't see that happening. People are still burdened by the mind's demands and the senses and artificial demands then are created. Hmm? And um, like I said the other night, dog is running on four legs and barking, man is riding on four wheels and blowing his horn. Now what's the difference? Hmm? Both trying to, you know, they don't do like that anymore, but get a mate, you know, used to be like that. Drive in your car and blow the horn. <laughs> the fifties. Uh. So um, uh, it's really quite questionable. The, the quality of life has improved. Where are the Buddhas? You know, where are the Jesuses and the Rumi's and the Chaitanyas and so forth? And and people ask like that, and they think so. Maybe those people weren't what people thought they were. Where are they now? Well, where's the environment that would foster their their appearance? And where is the where is the where is the type of lifestyle being led that would make one receptive to, to, to knowing one if they saw one? It takes eyes to see, also, right? Hmm? This is not an environment that uh, you would expect something like that to happen, so it doesn't, not very often. Or if it does, not many people can recognize it. Hmm? So the, the spiritually interested, and I don't mean religiously interested, but deeply spiritually interested people, they're few. The mystics are a few. Or the people who are interested in mysticism or yoga for what it's really about, they're few people. They're the quacks of the society. You know, they're on the fringe of the society. I mean, it's popular. It's, you could be hip, too, in it's in a sense, but not if you get too far into it. <laughs> not if you go too. <laughs> be careful about that. that. Any of your friends will wonder about you know. <laughs> So, so anyway, intelligence is is meant being the upper rim, if you will, of the natural world. You know, like imagine like a plane of, of 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 a physical plane, a mental plane, an intellectual plane of experience. In the yoga tradition, that's what we we talk about, and. The intellectual plane is, is, is the upper rim. So, like within our body, you know, what as above, so below, this is the Tantra, you know. This uh, the, ma- the macrocosm and the microcosm have some correspondence. So, we have within us, we have physical body, we have mind, we have intelligence. So, there, the yoga world sees whole planes of experience, physical plane, mental plane, intellectual plane, each one will become more subtle than the next and more powerful more accommodating more spacious um, if I was to ask uh, you okay here's the here's the task I want you to take everything in this room and carry it out the door in one trip can you do that? Can you lift the couch and the rug and the pictures and everything all at once no So now I say, okay, take it with your mind. It's possible, right? It's possible. It's bigger, more spacious, more accommodating, more possibilities lie there. Mm -hmm. You know, in our waking state, in the the physical realm, we can find gold and we can find a mountain. But only in the mind can you find a golden mountain. Mm -hmm. Which is... Then the the question is also which is more real, the mental realm or the physical realm? Why would we think that the physical realm of experience is more real? What reason? We have experiences in the mental realm, right? You can meet somebody in the mental realm. You can meet somebody in the physical realm. You can get something in the mental realm. You can get something in the physical realm. In one sense the only reason we think that one is more real than the other is because one seems to endure longer. Endurance lends to credibility. So we believe in it, but it's really here today and gone tomorrow also. Just take a little longer, (laughs) that's all. So these are all appearances, Hmm? Um, things and so forth. Thoughts come and go. But anyway, above mind is then intellect, right? So if we were to rise above nature as we feel, we we could we feel that we, we, we could do... We could we feel that we could fly in the air like the bird does. We could swim to the bottom of the ocean. We could climb the highest peak. And we try to do it by machinery and technology. And, you know, we do it in a crude way compared to, a you know, a parrot. You know, I flew up here in a, in a plane. It's, they must be laughing at us, the birds, to think we're, we're really having the experience of flying. But the point is that all these... The, the consciousness, in the, in, the, in the yogic worldview, you have this hierarchy within matter, and above it all, you have consciousness that informs it, animates it, gives it life. It is life. The subjective element of consciousness is life, and it gives it gives life to the objective world. Hmm? And the objective world has both gross and subtle form. The gross form is gross matter, the subtle forms of our mind and intellect. Hmm? So, in human life, consciousness is budding. We, we, there's, a, there's a difference between the consciousness of human life and the consciousness in the animal life, for example. What's the difference? Animals can perceive, right? They can feel hot, they can feel cold. That's one function of consciousness is perceiving. We can feel hot, we can feel cold, and other sensations and so forth, but there's another thing that we can feel that the animals, for example, don't feel. We can feel that we are. We can be conscious of our of a self-identity, selfness, I-ness. I mean, it's there to some extent in some animals, but the lower you go down, so to speak, on the chain of being, then, Consciousness is less manifest in human life. It manifests to the point where we know that we exist. So we philosophize and and uh, and, and so on. Hmm? It's far out. <laughs> we know that we exist. We don't know the extent to which we exist. That's why we still fear. Hmm? We're still identifying ourselves with matter, which is an appearance in its particular form. So it's going to dismantle in due course of time. We call it death. Hmm? So I'm feeling myself is the point. We're feeling ourself in human life. And it's this consciousness has all this potential. It can do anything. It's the consciousness in the bird's body that animates it and allows it to burp, to fly. It's the consciousness in the in the, the fish's body that enables it to move and swim within the, within the, the sea. I mean, the body facilitates that. Hmm. But the point being that consciousness can exist in the water, can exist in the sky, and under the ground, above ground. It's... It's not subject, really, to um, the movements of nature. It's independent of that. Ontologically, it's independent. Hmm? So in human society, we, we feel we could rise above nature because we are rising above nature comparatively. Hmm? And now there may be means to hone that, to develop that, to grow that. Now you're in a position of being aware of it you can grow the consciousness, so to speak. How does consciousness grow? I mean, how do you water it? How do you feed it? <laughs> but something like this, I and mean, this is our own experience, when you take and you conduct yourself selfishly, consciousness contracts. When you give, consciousness expands. Think about it. Hmm? If you only think about your so you only think about yourself, you're only thinking about yourself. Hmm? And then you meet um a nice guy. Okay. And so then you you, you, you get together. Then you have to start thinking about him too. And you start to identify yourself also with him. He's part of me. We're it's uh, we're, and then then you're, you, you live in your little house, and, and, and then you start to get involved in the community activities. So you have to make some sacrifice. In other words, what I'm saying is to live with somebody else, you have to make a sacrifice, right? You, you grow. You grow. You have to think, oh, these things in me are not good. I have to leave those aside. I have to put this aside to satisfy her, and, and that, that's good, and it starts to feel good. I, I did a good thing. I grew. You can't measure it. Like you can't go look, see. I gave, and now I got something. Here it is. <laughs> hmm? But when you get it, and, you, and other people meet you, they can they can feel it. This person is is bigger. <laughs> hmm? They're 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 expanded. So you can go from family consciousness to to city consciousness, nation consciousness, world consciousness, God consciousness. Hmm? And it's all about the movement to grow in that direction, to expand consciousness, mystically, if you will, is all appears to be going in you know, moving in a backward direction by giving. In other words, if you give, well, you will be a little, you'll end up with less. <laughs> that's what it looks like, and that's what it, reason would think. If you have this much and you give that much away, then math says you've got this much less. But the magic of life is that. The more you give of the way, I mean, you really give, sacrifice, the more you grow. So life is not only rational, it's mystical. We have some experience. We grow by giving in a way that can't be measured, but we know, nonetheless. And it can be conveyed to others just by our very being. We feel we're in the presence of somebody who's a giver, a bigger giver, a bigger person, a bigger in, an, in a, I mean, in a big, in a dominating in in and ominous, but, but in a nice way, in an affectionate way. You know, big means really affection, not just uh, uh, space or power. But and what could be more powerful than, than love? Hmm? To be controlled by love is to be free. <laughs> in sense, to be ruled by love is to, is to be free. So these, these saw, see, these are all what. Yeah, you know, it's, they're contradictions. To be ruled by love is to be free. What is he talking about? You know, it's, it's, But this is the way life is. It's poetic more than it is logical. There's a logical side to it, but it only goes so far. You know, the intelligence should be used to move in the direction of, the, of, of being, of what, of what we are, rising above nature in a way that doesn't threaten nature or doesn't cause nature to respond back to you in the ways that the that the, it is in relation to the industrial society and so forth hmm? in a harmless way hmm? uh, nature wants to like let you go uh go go up go from nature to supernature something like that hmm? so this is something then about intelligence how to use it we we use it we can you, it can be wedded to the senses and the mind and just drag us down, we become the biggest beast on earth. Hmm? Or you can use it in another direction, to move inward and in self-sacrifice. And then what happens is consciousness grows. And that's what we are, not the intelligence, but the consciousness. Of the, so with human life, because we get this intelligence, it's very valuable. How you use it then will determine whether you're wealthy or not. You've got some money but how you spend it, that determines. You can buy this junk and, and end up with you know, nothing but a house full of junk or you can buy fine art or give and sacrifice to others, whatever. So real wealth then, intelligence is money but wealth is spirituality. You can use your intelligence in such a way as to, as to grow spiritually. And that doesn't mean to say that spiritual growth is an intellectual exercise. No, it's a transrational exercise is where you're getting into your, your question. It's a transrational exercise. but a transrational exercise is grounded in good reasoning. It's reasonable hmm, to move in pursuit of a life that transcends the limits of reason. We've already said that th- things w- in our everyday experience there's something going on here besides just reason. If we just look at it at math, then we shouldn't feel better by giving. If we just look at it from our you know strict Darwinian evolutionary idea, then this giving doesn't even have any place i mean it's the hardest thing for evolutionists to deal with It's some kind of uh, it's some kind of what do they say it's some kind of a um, misfiring. It's a misfiring that, um, in a system for to, to, to voluntarily do something for a, for a stranger or something, someone you don't even know. It's a misfiring. <laughs> I mean, it's a pathetic explanation, absolutely pathetic, for philanthropic urge, the altruistic urge. In other words, in one sense, the, from a strict Darwinian sense, the, the, the most involved person. Is the meanest person, hmm? but we don't feel like that, do we? Do you, do you feel that Adolf Hitler is more evolved than you know Mother Teresa, for example? She, 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 yeah, right. So, so um, we we sense that the more evolved person is the kinder person, hmm? and so, so, so then to think about, yeah, this is just a misfiring of the system, that a selfish-oriented organism to preserve itself is going to do something good for another, and there has to be some extended reason of how it's actually good, then you get into some social Darwinism, and you've got to develop the whole thing further. And, uh, but but, but the, the altruistic urge in human society is huge. It's, it's not a misfiring, it's huge. Because what's really happening is consciousness is, as I say, is beginning to blossom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have the chance to do something voluntarily. You are not just totally governed by the demands of your senses. And you have no choice in the matter. You can say, you know, you first. We don't find that in a herd of wild you know, elephants. You first. You first. Well, if one guy is bigger, then they go. Like, okay, you first. <laughs> but it's not. It's not uh, uh, like we find in human society. We can we can do something voluntarily. That's huge. That means some freedom we have hmm? to do something voluntarily. Hmm? So, if we can, if we think like this, and I, you know, and this is. As clear thinking as anything else, I can tell you, this is clear of thinking as any other. You know, as if you want to uh, um, contrast this with uh, the world view that I'm critiquing. You know, like um, modern science, uh, naturalist, physicalist world view. Hmm? W- reasoning um, of one or the other will be appealing to different people for different different reasons, but. Um, what I'm talking about is something that's, that's intuitive. What the naturalist worldview is talking about is something that's very counterintuitive. Very counterintuitive. Intuitively, human society feels life has purpose and meaning. Hmm? A naturalist worldview, a physicalist worldview says, life has no meaning. You should know that. That's what it means. That's what the bottom line is. Life has no purpose. Life has no meaning. If you argue that intuitive, because something is intuitive doesn't make it true, I agree with you, obviously that's true. You may have an intuition that around the corner you're gonna find this and then you don't. Hmm? But when you have an intuition that's universal, that's spread throughout the whole human society, from the aboriginal species and it extends all the way to the most uh, highest quarters of the civilized society, you'll find this intuitive sense that life has meaning. In the scientific community, you'll find so many scientists who feel life has meaning, in spite of what their colleagues may say or the predominant uh, outlook is. And amongst those who say life has no meaning, they are pursuing a meaningful life, (laughs) nonetheless. So, Something so intuitive, that's so universally intuitive. You have to give a little consideration to that, hmm? and if there's a philosophy then, as well, that 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 um, that accommodates that, that answers to that, and says yes, life does have meaning. Yes, life does have purpose. Then, which one are we, which one will you choose? So, if we use our intelligence and both both cases using intelligence to rise above nature, they're sensing we could rise above. Hmm? Are they doing it? As we've talked about, hmm? the no yoga, uh, spiritual p- spiritual practice. This is this is this giving idea. It's all based on giving. Hmm? Religion is one thing, misrepresentation of of the heart of the whole teaching and so forth, and it becomes you know. A crudest form of taking, almost in some instances, a fundamentalist form, a mean form of religion, and so forth. We're not talking about that. We're talking about spirituality, ex- experiential spirituality. We're talking about now. You can have it now. You can experience it now. Hmm? I mean, yoga is, in, in spiritual practice is a very systematic way for giving, and for sacrificing. Hmm? And it's not just giving things, but you're you're sacrificing your your sense of self, this ego, ego death. Hmm? And ego death means life. Hmm? So the self comes out bigger and bigger and uh, expands and so forth. So we should use uh, intelligence for this. That means to say that a transrational idea is not irrational, it picks up where reasoning leaves off, and reasoning should be used in its pursuit. And can, reasoning of itself will not allow you to 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 go there, because if it's, it's of a different quality. Okay, this this dimension is of the quality of consciousness, not matter. And as I said earlier, intelligence is part of the natural world, the upper rim. Hmm? Here's the divide, intellect, and the other lower manifestations of of nature on a hierarchical scale, and above this consciousness, the world, realm of consciousness, the dimension of of uh, of soul, consciousness. So, because intelligence is matter, you can't use matter. You, you, uh, it's not a suitable vehicle to take you there. Intelligence alone can't take you there. Hmm. If you're going to go there, you've got to be of the same quality. So something from there has to come here and help us go there. This is called revelation. So people who have some experience there, they share their experience. Hmm. And they have, over centuries, developed a methodology for going there where you will use your intelligence, you will use your mind, you will use your senses in connection with that dispensation from that side. Connect with the grace, so to speak. Hmm? And that becomes then a transrational methodology. It's not an irrational thing. They think, what are you doing? You're sitting there chanting. Crazy? Hmm? No, it's, it's not an irrational process. I mean, Here we're giving home so much philosophy to support such a simple thing as practice or meditation and so forth, chanting with the japa as you're asking, or with or with out loud and and so on. So each of these is a transrational process. Hmm? Whether you chant loud or you chant softly, hmm? whether you meditate, don't say anything, or chant this all. Uh, these are transrational methodologies, and that means this that what they are at their heart is an exercise of heart. Hmm? And heart, I mean you, you know, we have to talk as best we can about things that language doesn't do justice to, but, you know, to to give your heart to the practice. That's why bhakti, you see, is central to any practice. You can't do anything without bhakti, so you might as well just do bhakti. (laughs) You'll get everything. (laughs) What will you get? (laughs) If you do bhakti to get knowledge, to get kyan, Okay, but if bhakti can give jñāna, then what can bhakti give by itself? What does it have? If bhakti can give jñāna or knowledge, then it must be superior to jñāna. Hmm? So what, is, what is higher, love or knowledge? Hmm? So, <clears throat> at the core, in the sense, at the heart of any practice, even if your practice is uh, uh, jñāni's practice, you have to have bhakti there. You have know, to be some basic devotion to your practice. Otherwise, you will not be successful. That means the heart has to be exercised. This is transrational, then. It's reasonable to do it, but the exercise itself doesn't constitute a, a mere intellectual um, uh, uh, exercise. You're exercising yourself. You're a unit of consciousness, you're exercising it. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a crying, if you will, a neediness, actually, a needy. <laughs> uh, so, um, so a transrational methodology for a transrational ideal and experience is required. And as I say, there may be a number of them, but at their heart, They are all about devotion. Hmm. So, with regard to the specifics of chanting like quietly on beads, japa Mm -hmm. it's called, or kirtan, you said it's easier to pay attention? Uh, Well, it seems more accessible to a larger group. Uh Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Well, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And that's why... Uh, from one angle of vision, um, Kirtan is, is considered superior to 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 uh, Dhyan to meditation, hmm? because not only you can benefit, but others will benefit at the same time. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is that, according to the Yoga world, according to Hinduism, what the Yoga comes out of, right? Then there are there are cycles of time, right? That time is a quantity and a quality. There's a quality to the time. So the world is moved by karma, Mm. cosmically and morally. The moral law influences the cosmos, and so they're they're like climates. Okay, call them yugas. It's a climate, a kind of a karmic climate that comes about, comes in, a karmic season. Cumulative karmic season comes and goes, and another season comes and goes. So that the satya, treta, dwarpa, and kali—these are the yuga cycles, millennia, long periods of time—and um, in each karmic climate, in other words, people are souls, con- units of consciousness that we are, are interacting with matter and and creating karma. Hmm creating reactions, we're taking, because we feel needy, because we're identified with the empty bag of, of an appearance only. We think, if I don't eat, I won't live, i got it to get, and out we go. And and we accrue, accrue, uh, incur a debt by that. That's karma, right? So, so then that in turn, um, n- nature functions kind of like according to habit habitually. And so... Um, according to the actions of human society, then nature has a habit and a cycle, and and so they they've divided it into these four major cycles. And the one we're in is called Kali. Kali means it, it, it means a number of things, but it means in this context it means quarrel. So the Kali Yuga is the millennia of of quarrel and discord. And Manda sumanda matao manda bhagya hi It's 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 not a in one sense an auspicious time for spirituality it's you know there's a story in the in the in the in the Puranas krishna's uh, um, friend the warrior Arjuna, um, was in a forest and there was a a uh, another fellow there and um, he in the agni the fire god was Devouring the forest, like he does here well, Northern California a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, um, uh, this fellow was in danger, and so Arjun managed to save him. So, Arjun's Krishna's warrior friend. So, so, he wanted to give Arjun a benediction. So, Arjun said, Okay, well, what do you want to give me? He says, I want to give you Yantravijayan. It means literally, it means science of machinery. It's like technology. This is an old story from the ancient texts. So he said, I want to give you yantra-pagyam. Yantra so Arjuna's devotee of Krishna, he won't do anything without asking Krishna if he can. So Krishna was there, he said, well, he wants to give me this you know, yantra-pagyam. What do you think? He said, no, don't, it's for Kali Yuga, don't take it. <laughs> Science of machinery and technology, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> and we've been talking about that to some extent too. So. I mean, there's good things that come from it, too. It has its place. The problem is it's out of place. It's like a, it's put on the altar, on the throne, and this is it. And uh, if, it's not, if you can't prove it empirically, we don't believe in it. If we can't see it, we don't believe it. And we think if you don't believe it, you won't see it. And there's a good reason to believe. So <laughs> we're like a different world here. But that doesn't mean there isn't any good that can come out of it, but it should. somebody should oversee it so that it doesn't um, get out of balance and... Uh, uh, take over and, uh, and ruin the world and people's lives and so forth. So so this is, anyway, this is considered to be the, the cycle of, of Kali and it's, an, it's a karmically kind of uh, inauspicious time. Can like, you turn the light on there? But, um, okay, so with each Millennia or cycle there's a method for spiritual um, growth that 's most recommended hmm? this is the this is a standard um, um, in all the all the all the ancient texts from all the revelation from India each s- um, season okay has has a has a um, each yuga has a, uh, a method that's, that's most powerful. So in the Satya Yuga, meditation was the most powerful. And in the Dwarpa Yuga, something else. In Treta Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga. We come to Kali Yuga. And it is clearly mentioned everywhere that Kirtan is the most powerful thing in Kali Yuga. Now you can see how this works even on a secular, um, level. Because it will also play out. What, what 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 if people take to the streets with placards and protests and so forth? The whole Soviet Union was, you know, the Wizard of Oz that was just taken, you know, exposed. Soviet Union was a huge power, right? And a threat to democracy and whatever for so many years. But everybody went out on the street. They just they said, forget it. We're not doing this anymore. That's really what happened in, in the Soviet Union. The people just disagreed. I mean, there's some politics in the background, but people got the courage from that, you know, to go for And the whole Berlin Wall came down and Russia broke up and so on and so forth. Hmm. Uh, you know, Martin Luther King, peace marches and, and so forth. And these things, if enough people... Get, get you to the street and start chanting whatever they chant there's going to be some something going to happen there's going to be some changing for, change from that hmm? it's a powerful uh, vehicle hmm? um, and what are they going to do? you know shoot everybody you know after a while the guys shooting are going to join the lines you know the they're the, the protesting too if if they're protesting against something that's, that's inhuman or or whatever so um uh, we see this also on a secular level and on a spiritual level. And, and as I say, this, this chanting is particularly powerful at this this time. And it says then Kirtana Prabhavi Smarana svābhāve. You see, there's another thing. As far as the transgressional methodology, if you want to do Dhyan or you want to do Kirtan, when you do Japa, it means chanting like. Silently or softly on beads, like a, like a, like you know, a Catholic rosary, whatever beads. If you want to do that, this is an ungo or a limb of diam It's it's part of meditation. Hmm? If you sing the name that you're meditating on silently or inaudibly, out loud, out loud, then it becomes kirtan. Hmm? Now, here's the difference between the two methodologies, and then you see why kirtan is so suited for for the kali. This time, we'll get a glimpse into it. In order to do meditation, you said it's harder, mm-hmm. right? To sit there and focus your mind and so forth. The reason is because, well, if the heart is not pure—in other words, if you have desires in the heart—it's hard to sit down because they keep. I got to get up. I got to do this. The phone might ring. It should ring. Why didn't it ring? Oh, and you know. <laughs> So uh, we are we are moving in the world. We're animated by desires and so forth, hmm? and our self is all made up of those desires. And then, uh, the, the the proposal is: you sit now and meditate, and as much as you have those desires in the heart, it's hard. You're distri- you can become distracted. Hmm? So in order to do that meditation, more qualification is required. That qualification is not readily available. In Kali Yuga, mm-hmm. as it was in other, t- other times. I mean, look at how much, and, you know, in an industrial society, how much distraction there is. We're just multiplying the distractions. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, just a child, we played marbles, you know. <laughs> that's what we did. You know? I mean, that's pretty, <laughs> that's not a computer game, you know. 10,000 of computer games. I mean, it was, things are changing and there's a lot of distraction out there. So, and it fosters in so many desires so to sort of sit and meditate, you know. It's, it's on Starbucks coffee. It's hard, you know. To, you're, you know, <laughs> if you don't have it, then it's, a, people think it's harder, you know. So, so yes, it's an odd, you know, time. And, um, whereas now to do kirtan, you don't even have to control your mind, right? I mean, you can sing and you can you can chant and so forth, and and uh, and and the idea is because it has inherent spiritual power, you'll be benefited even if you can't concentrate. So that's why it's like suited for the age. It will bring about concentration because it will bring about a cleansing of the heart of desire, also. And as that cleansing comes about, then. The capacity to meditate is enhanced. Then one can sit and do japa or meditate on mantra and so forth, and we we do both peacefully and and draw something from that. So there's a difference between the two. They're both transrational. But um, one requires less qualification. That way you can say it's relatively better. Kirtan. The same one, Kirtan, also has the effect of Potentially benefiting others, at the same time, even if they don't know about it, you know, we're going to be affected by the sounds that we hear. And um, I tell you, if an ordinary person who has not, never thought about the kind of things we're talking about at all, um, you know, hears somebody chanting, they're going to, It could. It could be the kind. You know, There's certain things that stick in your mind for your whole life. Right? It's one of the things. It's you know, just like, what is that? And they, it's powerful. So it's beneficial in that way. It's easier. It requires less qualification, and it promotes the very possibility of stilling the mind, quieting the mind, of absorbing the mind. Um, that. Which is necessary in order for the self to come out. Because this mind is suppressing it, it's keeping it down, what we really are. We're not knowing because we think. I mean, knowing in a real sense. We can gather factoids and, you know, regurgitate them in a social gathering and, you know, allow ourselves to think we're more than what we are. But to know, which enables you to be quiet and be happy, right? Instead of having to talk. So that people will think I'm something, and I I think I'm something. She thinks I'm something. I guess I must be something. I feel good about them. You know, so to, to be able to be quiet, be happy, that kind of knowing, knowing I'm all right. I know what I am. I'm comfortable with that. It's wonderful. I'm part and parcel of God and. I'm not this body. I'm not American. That will all pass away. I'm not a man or a woman. Hmm? And with that, knowing if you, if you are to talk at all, you'll be pressed to talk to other people about that. It's such a wonderful thing. It's a, how, such a qualitative improvement in, in, in life and a comprehensive way of knowing. Hmm? So that chanting will be helpful for that. Hmm? So, so it's, it's recommended in this yoga. So we have in our school... This chanting is prominent, but it is is to be done in such a way as it gives rise to the possibility for meditating. So like, for example, in our school, we give uh, uh, diksha, initiation. Diksha means the transference of, of knowledge, and that means the transference of the goodwill of the teacher and the experience, the background of his or her experience through the mantra, so they they give the nom so that you say, so that you can you chant this this uh names of of god let's say for example and um with a, with a blessing hmm? okay to do that and then as you become pro- more proficient in that and you have better capacity to you understand what you're doing and and, and the knowledge becomes more Integrated with your being and so forth, and you actually the mind become more peaceful. And then the guru gives another initiation. That is a mantra that's not chanted out loud, and you're thought to have the capacity to sit and meditate on that certain times of the day and so forth, and draw something from that. So that so our kirtan is there to foster the dhyan, meditation, and 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 and. And you know, through the different stages, from the meditation means means it means for us dharana, dhyana, samadhi. Mm -hmm. Dharana means concentration. Pratyahar withdraw the the mind from -hmm. the world. Dharana concentrate. Dhyana meditate. Meditate isn't just concentration or just closing the eyes and feeling peaceful. You know, I feel that stress release kind of it's 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 a state of of mind where the mind can be suspended so to speak hmm. and and what happens is the self comes out so it's, it's it's trance it's it's beginning of trance life trance means you know that you are hmm, well transrational you're you're beyond reason you're knowing you're knowing it's, it it's wisdom you're it's direct knowing. It's not knowing through the screen of the mind and the intellect, which is like being on the outside of the bottle of honey and trying to figure out what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tasting the subject matter. Dhyan meditation brings the the apparent distance between object and subject. Uh, it, it, it 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 bridges the distance. You see, object and subject, you can't have one without the other. But they seem to be different. But because you can't have one without the other, you, you, you can reason they must all have. They both both have a have a, the same origin. Must be somewhere where they both come from. They're always together, but they're they're different, right? There's the object and there's the subject, but you can't have a subject without object. There's, there's really not much meaning to one without the other. So there's a plane where they both, in here where they both come from, that is above then reasoning in the subjective plane of consciousness. So you go there. There's a unity then, right? Hmm? There's a unity. Uh, and if the approach is through kirtan and bhakti, then you'll, you'll go deep. You'll experience a unity of, 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 of love Rather than just a unity of knowledge, but that's another topic. Hmm. At any rate, hmm? in our school, then, from Dhyan, real meditation, Pratyahara, dharana, Dhyan, Samadhi, and Samadhi means that, in this sense, we to be situated there. Hmm? In that plane, and we have other terms too. These are basic yoga terms, but other terms to explain those those states of, of knowing, knowing and and um, and being and and fulfillment. So here is a there's a possibility of real fulfilling life by using our reasoning power, as I'm saying, a rational faculty. Rather than to be big animals, big big beasts, and and, and threaten our own uh, existence, so we get to a point where they start to think, "Well, we better, you know, just look at it from a totally strictly biological, say, Darwinian point of view. We could figure some of these people are not as contributing as much as others, and um, some of them are handicapped. We got overpopulation." Should kill off some handicapped people, I and mean, that's reasonable. Why would you reject to that? Except you're just emotional. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> let's 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 be reasonable here. Hmm? So some we can kill off geez, hundreds of thousands of them. You know the whole the whole of the. What's with this you know PC? You know the other ability, or what do they call? You know, differently hmm? differently able, differently abled or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Let's just do away with them. I mean that's obviously extreme, but it's not that unreasonable from that world view. Do you understand? Hmm? How does and these kind of problems are going to arise in twenty, twenty, and fifty years? What do you think the population of the earth is going to be? You should keep going on like this. Something's got to be done. And if this is your world view, then you find people advocating something like that. Hmm? It's already people already have advocated in human society, I and mean, that's what Hitler thought of the Jewish people. He thought they weren't, you know, contributing. They were, they were takers. And they weren't. He looked for the pure race, right? Yeah. You know? So these are extremes, but um, that worldview lends itself certainly to such as opposed to a spiritual worldview. Well, what's the spiritual world? How are you going to deal with the overpopulation? <laughs> well, <laughs> we <laughs> that's a subject. But uh, you know, we advocate a whole different lifestyle. Yeah a more agrarian based lifestyle, not an industrial lifestyle, self-sufficient lifestyle, you know, not a factory farm lifestyle and, and so forth. So there are, there are ways to go about that that are, that, uh, that may require that you sacrifice more. Oh goodness, God forgive, forbid that we would have to sacrifice and, and have less and uh, spread the wealth around. Uh oh. (laughs) That'd be pretty bad. So, so, yeah. Um, So we do both in our tradition, meditation and and kirtan. They're both transrational. And kirtan's a little easier. And powerful, very powerful. Came a little later. What time do you have to leave?
1: We need to leave by seven, I think. I've
0: left at eight forty-five. So yeah. Good. You want to chant for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Let's try that. Mm-hmm.